The contents of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Welcome to another edition of Health Kick. I'm Tim Borum. Well, everyone needs brain surgery like a hole in the head, and they're literally left with a hole in the head if they have the misfortune of uh, needing such a procedure. Now, to date, the current way of patching things up uh, has been with a, a bone graft or similar, but the results can be uh, quite messy. And sometimes the holes are too big to be filled by a traditional graft in the first place. And this is where the wound generation house osteopore uh, comes into the picture. Uh, The Perth-based but Singapore-centric osteopore has developed three-dimensional implants to be used in surgery to help with the natural stages of uh, bone replacement. Uh, A big advantage of these devices is that they're bioresorbable, which means they basically melt into the body when the job's done. Osteopause products, and and there's a few, uh, have already been approved by the US and European regulators uh, with over 40,000 procedures already carried out. Um, Now, I've got with me Osteopore Executive Director Jeff Pocock with me to tell me more. So, uh, hi, Jeff. Hi, Tim. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. Um, now, Osteopore, it listed, uh, it's ASX listed, it uh, listed last year. I I think it was actually the... uh, uh, the float of the uh, year in, in terms of performance. But, but how did osteopore uh, come about in the first place? Yeah, so look, the, the osteopore technology was originally developed up in Singapore uh, going back probably 15, 20 years ago when, when Professor Teo, who's currently on our, non, he's not, on our board as a non-executive director, he was the original founder, original inventor of this technology. Realising the the opportunity that we had with 3D printing technology coming through and what that was going to be able to do to create more uh, biomimetic structures, structures that are really finely structured, really, um, really porous, and they can create an environment where the body's natural regeneration can come to play. And that's what the osteopore technology does. It basically creates an environment where bone naturally regenerates. Bone wants to regenerate. If you break your arm, the doctors will put pieces in place and the bone will regrow to fix those fractures. But bone can't regenerate across a void. And this is a point you were mentioning earlier. If you've got a hole in the head, it may be as a result of surgery, maybe as a result of trauma, maybe as a result of an infection or even cancer. Where that bone's been removed, the bone can't regrow across that space. And so instead, we can create a scaffold that sits in that, op- in that void to create the environment where the bone can regrow. And so your patient is actually regrowing their own natural bone as a part of the healing process. And what are the, uh, what are the uh, uh, devices actually, actually made out of, uh, Jeff? 
the products are made out of a polymer called polycaprolactone. Now, polycaprolactone is really well known in the medical industry. It's used widely in a variety of implantable devices. It's very low allergenic. Patients don't have an allergic reaction and it's bioresorbable. And that's the fantastic thing about um, polycaprolactone in this application, that it bioresorbs. The body just naturally absorbs that polymer over a period of about 18 months to 24 months, depending on the size of the, the piece that's been put in. But once that's gone, all the patient has left is their own natural bone. And so you've actually created an environment where the patient is able to, to, to convert what used to be a void and what might have needed to be filled by a permanent implant, a piece of titanium or a piece of plastic that's actually rigid and stays in place forever. Instead, we just create an environment where the body can regrow bone across that void. And so that's where the polycaprolactone is so valuable. And this is where a huge amount of the, uh, the development work that uh, Osteopor did as a pro uh, through the process of being able to print really accurately in the sort of 3D printed printing environment to actually create this sort of microstructured um, product out of this uh, bioresorbable polymer. Yeah, okay. And, and does 3D mean that you can print, uh, you, you can, uh, in effect, create the uh, the devices anywhere? You can sort of put up little mini factories? Uh, we could, I mean, yeah, we, we could certainly do that. Our focus is actually on being the manufacturer. At the moment, all our products are manufactured up in Singapore. Um, and there's a lot of soft IP, there's a lot of know-how around how we do that printing. And it, they're easy products to ship around the world. So we don't need to produce, we don't need to have manufacturing everywhere. Obviously, as the business grows, we will diversify that manufacturing base. But it's, you know, the advantage of 3D printing from a business perspective is it's not capital intensive. You can, you can create small or larger um, manufacturing hubs or manufacturing centers without a whole lot of capital outlay. And the 3D printers that you put in place, they can create the whole range of, of osteopore products. So they can create plugs, they can create strips, they can create patient-specific implants. And that's one of the other advantages of 3D printing is you can customize. You can, you can create not just the standard products, but you can also create customized implants for larger uh, larger defects, whether it be the skull, a patient who's had uh, a road traffic accident, had a large amount of skull dis um, destroyed or damaged. It can work into orthopedic places where you've got actually long bones. So parts of, uh, we've done a number of procedures on patients on their tibias, their shin bones, um, their clavicles, their shoulder blades, and even their, um, their forearms. So, you know, you can get these customized pieces that would be you know, designed specifically to fit into the patients and uh, based on what they need. Yeah, I guess uh, every wound is different in uh, shape and size. You don't have a, a standard wound, do you? No, well, that's it. Well, I mean, you have standard products in, so the, for example, neurosurgery. So, you know, as you mentioned, you know, getting a hole in the head. One of the first things when, when patients are having neurosurgery is Neurosurgeons are drilling a hole in your head. Then they'll have standard size pieces, or drill bits effectively, and they'll take out a, a piece of bone of a standard size. And so we have standardized plugs that are designed to exactly fit those standard, um, those standard holes that a, that a neurosurgeon would drill. So we have got those standard products in that respect, but as soon as you get anything larger, then absolutely you need to be able to customize them 
and that's where 3D printing creates that advantage. Yeah, excellent. Okay. And, and tell us a bit more about your different markets. Uh, um, you've, you've mentioned osteoarthritis. Um, I think you've also got an interest in, in, in dental and craniofacial applications as well. That's right. So at the moment, the majority of the osteopore technology is being used in cranial, um, cranial and neurosurgery. So basically the skull, um, basically everything above the nose line. Um, we do do other procedures. So we are very interested in the uh, uh, maxillofacial and the jawbone and the dental applications. So there's a lot of opportunities for regrowing uh, bone to provide better foundations for dental implants. Implants, so uh, you know, replacement teeth and and all of that dental work. Part of the problem when patients are losing teeth is they're actually losing bone density in that jawline, which is where the where the teeth would actually be anchored. And so, being able to regenerate that uh, that lower jaw and um, the the foundations where those teeth are going to go in is really important. And then the other big opportunity is obviously in the orthopedic space, which is all of your long bones, everything sort of spine, the chest, legs, arms, basically everything sort of from the neck now, neck downwards. Um, that's a massive opportunity, and that's obviously just driven by there's a lot of bones that are all covered under that orthopedic banner. And we've done procedures, uh, we've done procedures in shin bones, in arms, in shoulder blades. We're increasing, increasingly interested in, in spine and chest. So a lot of those sort of bones, you know, they can get damaged. They can be, um, you know, again, it could be cancer, it could be an infection, or it could be trauma. Um, and these are areas where that bone needs to regenerate and we can create customised implants to go into those, into those procedures and for those patients to, uh, to help them with their recovery. What would be the biggest markets um, out of all of those? Um, I, uh, I imagine the osteo market. Yeah, so the orthopaedic market is about half of the, the total bone, uh, bone graft market, and that's to be expected. I mean, that's when you consider the, the, the volume of bone. So the orthopaedic space is the largest one, and then across the rest you're looking at uh, cranial, uh, maxillofacial, which is the jawbone and dental, and then cosmetic applications, which are each are about uh, 17, 20% of the total market. So we're currently focused on that craniomaxillofacial. That's where the vast majority of procedures have gone at the moment. But then as we can, as we can branch out, as we can go into these new therapeutic areas, we see that market opportunity expanding really significantly as we do that. Uh, ter terrific, Jeff. And uh, geographically, um, it, it looks like you're a US-oriented play, um, I, I guess, like a lot of uh, device companies. Um, although having, having said that, it also looks like you've derived most of your sales so, so far from, uh, from, from Asian uh, markets. That's right. So I'm our focus to date has been out of Asia. Um, at the moment, you're sort of seeing a number of those sort of East Asian markets. Um, obviously, as a Singaporean company, that was low-hanging fruit. We had a lot of relationships that we could tap into and, and develop sales from there. But, but the, the global growth story is very much US-centric, US-centric, EU-centric. Um, the US represents probably about 30, 35% of the global demand for most medical technologies, medical devices, and that's certainly the case with us as well. 
So about the middle of this year, it was just the first week of July, we signed our first US distribution deal uh, with a group called Bioplane. And that gives us our first real foothold into that US market. And then we start to see the opportunities growing out of that. And then uh, we're increasingly getting uh, traction into the EU market. And then also the Australian market, which is a a very promising opportunity for us. Obviously, as an ASX-listed company, we're very keen to to build that domestic market. Uh, The company, we got our TGA approval in uh, about March, April of this year uh, that that came through and we got our TGA approval and we've just recently signed our first Australian distribution agreement, which will give us um, access to that Australian market and also the New Zealand market as well. So, yeah, the focus for the company is on building these distribution agreements. Again, as I mentioned, our focus is to be a manufacturer. And so we need these distribution agreements. These are critical for us to build revenues and to get the, comp- uh, the product out into the market. And Jeff, how do you sort of get the uh, the surgeons on side? Because uh, you've got approval, which is great, uh, but uh, I guess the, uh, the greater task is to actually... Uh, uh, get these surgeons to uh, the leading surgeons to uh, advocate the product and uh, yeah tell tell it to their mates over the golf course. Absolutely, and look, that, that's the nature of these sorts of products. It is a, a marketing intensive, and that's something we do in partnership with our distributors. And that's one of the reasons why the distribution channels are so important, because we're a manufacturing business. We rely on um, distributors that have got existing relationships into the the relevant therapeutic areas, whether it's neurosurgeons or orthopedic surgeons. So the the distributors work with us very closely on how all of that marketing works. And then the way of marketing it is is a combination. It's a combination of uh, conferences and those sort of uh, generic uh, marketing activities, conference activities. It's a, uh, key opinion opinion leaders. So the those leading surgeons that are that are the early adopters. And then it's obviously the relationships with the distributors as well and having the distributors on hand who are constantly talking to their uh, to their client base, explaining the opportunities that the product has, helping them with the uh, the training and all of the uh, the all of the rest of the what they what the surgeons need to feel comfortable with using the product. So there's a, a, a really sort of high intensity. Um, marketing process that goes into this and that's something we do very much hand in hand with our distributors and jeff is it a case of uh uh replacing the uh the traditional standard of care you know the graphs or uh uh convincing the surgeons that uh your product is better than uh other scaffold type products uh, out on the market Yeah, the, the focus for us is, is, and the focus for the surgeons is absolutely on better patient outcomes. If you can demonstrate that you're delivering a superior patient outcome, that's what's going to bring the uh, the surgeons on board. And, you know, Osteopore's got 40,000 cases of, um, of where the products have been used. We have an extremely low complication rate, and this is one of the massive advantages of the Osteopore technology over the alternatives. Uh, permanent implants, if you have a, a permanent uh, titanium or plastic piece put into bone, those have a 25% complication rate. So that could, that complication could be anything from the, the implant becoming loose and just sort of, you know, 
needing to be reaffixed. It could be the implant being damaged, or it could even be an, an infection that occurs and you can get an infection that sits in between, in that tiny sort of void space between the, the permanent implant and the natural bone. And those can be really serious and really uh, quite dangerous quite quickly. And so we've been able to demonstrate over an extended period of time of this product being used and over some 40,000 cases of how much that we are delivering a superior patient outcome. And that's the key, the key phrase that we use in marketing. It's all about getting a better result for patients. And if you can show that you've got a better result for patients and the history to date suggests that we really do have that alternative solution, then that's what's going to drive adoption by the market. And, and certainly the surgeons that have been using the product have all been really, really positive and, and they see what's happening here, the fact that you don't have these complications afterwards. You, you know, because there's no permanent product left behind, there's nothing left behind after two years. They're basically the patient just has their own natural bone. The risk of complications, the range of things that can go wrong is so much lower. And that's what the patients want and it's what the surgeons see and it's what drives the surgeon's behaviour. Yeah, okay. And what's sort of an example of uh, sort of among the 40,000, what, what, what's an example of uh, an outcome you're, uh, you know, proudest uh, to have achieved? Look, I think probably the, the single proudest achievement from, yeah, you know, from my perspective and sort of one of the ones that I have been have seen the outcome for since I've been involved with the company was a gentleman on the Gold Coast. And back in 2017, he had a procedure where he had had a, an infection in his shin bone, had had a huge amount, some 35, 36 centimetres of his tibia, which is your main bone in your shin, had to be removed due to an infection. And the alternative for, for this particular patient was an above-the-knee amputation. He would have been losing his leg from the, you know, halfway through the thigh bone downwards and needing a prosthetic leg after that. But the osteopore technology was able to actually regenerate his entire tibia. So we've now put uh, the, the scaffold in place. That was done back in 2017. And in 2019, um, in partnership with uh, Princess Alexandra Hospital up in Brisbane, who, who performed the, the surgery, um, and the surgeon who was involved, uh, this gentleman, Ruben Lichter, was, was sort of available and, and demonstrating the success of the technology. And he has had his entire tibia regrown. He is now able to walk. He's now able to uh, function in a way that was not was not considerable was not conceivable rather um, in at, at 2017 when faced with the alternatives. So, you know, that's the sort of the power of these sorts of technologies. I mean, that's one one case. There've been a number of other orthopedic procedures. There's been a number of cranial procedures where we've been able to create really life changing impacts for patients who, who were otherwise faced with uh, procedures that would have had at, at least cosmetic implications and in some respects quite serious sort of long-term complication potential risks um, if, if left with uh, the existing technology.
Well, it certainly sounds uh, better than uh, losing a leg. Uh, that's for uh, that's for sure. Um, now, now we were talking about um, other products. Um, of course, uh, on, on the ASX, there's the the wound regeneration um, plays, uh, Avita Medical and Polonovo. Um, I think they've uh, both got a billion dollar market caps or or, or, or close to it, and uh, they, they've both been sort of slow burn um, uh, plays. But uh, is that what you aspire to to uh, become the the next very major much so. I mean, yeah, look, I mean that's what we'd like to see, and and we certainly see you know the the way the market sort of can rate these companies as they get that revenue coming through, and so you're seeing companies like and the two that we always do talk about are a Polynovo and Avita. Um, both sort of billion-dollar market capitalizations, both doing you know, more revenue than Osteopor is doing. We did about a million dollars in the 12 months to December of last year. And we worked out to about 1.3 in the 12, month, 12 months to June of this year. Um, we see those opportunities for the company to get re-rated to those, hopefully those sort of valuations as we get that revenue up to around that 5 million US mark. It's about 8 to 10 Aussie. Eight to ten million Aussie dollar revenue, and with, that's when it's it's when the market can really sort of see. Look, this is getting real traction. It's when the other participants in the market, the, the larger companies, that's the sort of point when you can start being potentially on their radar as uh, as partner opportunities or even as acquisition targets or anything of that sort. So I think that's where the market is sort of you know re-rating these companies as they get closer to that revenue target. And they're starting to show that they've got real commercial traction. Then the upside is is really phenomenal. And you know, currently Osteopor is sitting at around that sort of sixty million dollar market capitalization. So you you can see the upside from here um, as those revenues come through, and as we have that increased traction from, for example, the U.S. distribution agreement, the Australian distribution agreement, and as we continue to build traction in the EU. And, and what should investors expect in terms of the short-term revenue trajectory? Uh, yeah, I think you did about six hundred and seventy thousand uh, in the in the six months uh, to uh, to June. Is that going to be sort of uh, a lot higher next time round? Yeah, look, we're we're obviously building that revenue number um, quarter on quarter. Um, we're seeing typically so from the early early part of this year we were doing about. 60-70% revenue growth from sort of previous corresponding quarters. Obviously, the uh, COVID impact has had a lot of impact on uh, – the COVID situation has had a lot of impact on, on growth and business development in the medical technology space. Um, but even so, we're still sitting at, I think, uh, yeah, revenues are up sort of around 40% uh, from previous years. And then, obviously – Without wanting to give sort of firm numbers, we expect to see that revenue trajectory continuing to accelerate from here. And that's what the, the real focus for us going forward. Uh, the company's raised you know, another $8.5 million at the end of August. So the company's now really well funded and we've got the, the, the capital behind us to really go and drive that business development um, in, in the markets that we already are, so the Asian markets where we've been for a number of a period of time, but also into those new geographies, into the US, into the Australian market, and to keep building on that European exposure. Well, uh, excellent, Jeff. It sounds like you're um, well-funded to, uh, to take things further, and there's uh, obviously a, a great unmet 
uh, need for your uh, products. Um, so great to talk and uh, good good luck in uh, becoming the next uh, Avita or uh, Polynovo. Thanks very much, Tim. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the interest. <laughs> thanks, Jeff.